I was reading um, where Israel was, because last time we were talking about um, <clears throat> the table of showbread, you know, in the holy place where you have the, the candles lighting the table where the showbread is, and there, there's the 12 loaves of bread stacked there, representing all the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and the word showbread there is actually <clears throat> not showbread. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's Panaim, uh, which is faces, or the face of God. So he's prepared a table before, as, we're, as we follow his spirit, you know, then he prepares a table before us. But, and the priest could only eat that bread in the holy place, in there. And so as we walk by the spirit, then we partake of what God has for us. And, but when God was leading them out of Israel, uh, sorry, out of Egypt, I don't know if... He, noticed this before but they were on a certain route and you know after God did the miracle and and, you know they were going out but there was a certain point in the route when God in in Exodus 14 I'm just going to read that it's verse 1 it says now the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pihiroth between Migdal and the sea and opposite Baal <clears throat> Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. And then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they did so. So there was a certain point where if they would have kept going on the track... They kind of would have been, I was reading, you know, the different commentaries saying, so they would have been kind of out beyond their reach because they were at the edge of the desert and the chariot wheels of the Egyptian army would have had a really difficult time with that. So they could have kept going. But God said here, I want you now to turn. Yeah, Don't go the way that you think, of course we should go that way. Yeah, they can't get the desert, they go the altitude. Yeah, of course we should go that way. But now God is saying, I want you to turn. And I want you to go in this place that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> it says, and you see, that's what's happening here, because that's why it says, it says, uh, for Pharaoh will say, so, so God is saying, turn, okay, turn this way. And then that will cause Pharaoh to think, oh, Israel must be bewildered by the land and they're closed in. And so they don't know what they're doing. So that emboldened Pharaoh now to go and get them. God was picking a fight. God wanted to, why did he do this? It says, because I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And I think everybody who hears about it as well. So God found a way to get more glory by not having them take the way, which of course they could have escaped and, and just logically taken that path. But God says, I want you to turn there. And if you read about, you know, that area, and I was kind of researching a little bit into it, what that area physically looked at it, there were, it, it says, you know, you will, they're hemmed in by the wilderness. So they actually had hills and mountains, or mountains, whatever they call them. But they were like, it, it actually got narrower and narrower and narrower up into that point where, the Red Sea was, and then by the Red Sea it kind of opened up, but they were still hemmed in. It was, it was a, there was no place to go. So God led them in down this funnel 
which was totally illogical, totally didn't make sense if they would have, you know, rationalized it all out. And so much so that the people started saying in, in verse uh, Exodus 14, 11, they said to Moses, what, because there's no graves in Egypt? You've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you done this to us? And so uh, then verse 13, Moses said to the people, don't be afraid, stand still. So, okay, so what was happening? So God told them to do something that didn't make sense, first of all. They seemed home free. They didn't take that route. God said, turn here. So now, now of course, they're going to blame Moses because <laughs> Moses is like the one kind of, you know, leading the show here. And, and so now they're blaming Moses. What? You, you brought us out here to die? Nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. So remember Samson? What, why it said that God, um, you know, spirit came on Samson. What, what was the gist of what God was... He was trying to pick a fight with the Philistines. It says... Said God wanted an excuse to go and get the Philistines, so he caused Samson to do stuff. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson to pick a fight. <laughs> so it's like, so, so, so then you, okay, but, all right, so back here to, to Exodus. So the, the people of Israel are complaining, why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? So now they're like, lost the vision entirely because they're thinking as humans think, <laughs> carnally, they're looking at it, two plus two must equal four, right? So it must always be by logic, but God says not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So in Peter, we have counted all joy when you, have, when you fall into difficulties and trials and, and there's these situations that just don't make sense and it's difficult and all this is going on. He says, consider it all joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Crazy stuff. The joy, yeah. That doesn't make sense either, right? Yeah. yeah. This is a totally different perspective. Yeah. This is not a human perspective. My ways are higher than your ways, God says. Duh. <laughs> this, is what, this is why we can't just hash things out, rationalize things out. Two plus two equals four. Of course I should do this. This makes sense. This is the getaway. If I go that way, I'm going to hem myself in. That won't make any sense. But maybe God will get more glory if he's leading to do that. Obviously he will. That's why the, gold, the golden candlesticks, the seven flames of the Spirit of God, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. We have to be led by his Spirit. That was the only light in the holy place. And it was lighting that table that was prepared with the showbread, which was not the showbread. It was the table of faces. Says Moses said, if you know, let your panaim, your 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 faces. No, God said, my faces will go with you. When He says my presence, it, it's the same word panaim, which is, it, it's actually a plural of a singular. So it's like you know, Trinity stuff. You know, we God speaking, let us create man in our image. But there's one God. You know that type of thing. So the faces, but the face of God. It's the bread of the presence, which uh, the table of, it's the, the faces. So that what we partake of, our daily bread, every word of God, it's lit by the Holy Spirit, those candles, it's the only light in the holy place. You have the, the incense burning before the Holy of Holies, and so our fellowship, our prayers, our, our connection with God constantly engaged by the light of His Spirit. And then we have the panim, the faces of God. It says, my face or faces will be with you. 
when Moses was saying, because if you don't go with us, we, we ain't going to go, because Moses detected that God was upset with Israel at that point, so he was like, uh, God said, no, I, I, I can't go with you guys, I'm going to wipe you guys out. <laughs> I'll send my angel. <laughs> my angel will go with you, but you better not, you know, upset him either. So, but it says, but Moses was like, no, if you don't go with us, then we're not going, and so he said, okay, my, my, you know, my face will go with you, my faces. So, it is the, um, all of the aspects of God, His nature, His provision, His, I am Jehovah Jireh, I am Jehovah Rapha, your healer. I am all of the many aspects of God that we need Him to be <laughs> in our life. Second Peter 1, He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Every single thing that we need to maneuver through the wilderness, like the children of Israel, were running from the Egyptians. There was this big scary army, the Egyptian army. God did some miracles to get them out, but then they changed their mind. <laughs> They're like, duh, we were so stupid. Why do we let them go? We had free labor. We had all this stuff, you know. So it's like, you know, they changed their mind. But when did they change their mind? When did they start to go for Israel? When God told the people of Israel to turn this way that didn't make any sense. God engineered it. <laughs> he engineered the whole situation to get glory. What if, what if, the situations we find ourselves in, what well, do you think they surprise God? <laughs> in Psalm 139, it says he is standing, in the Passion Translation, it says he's standing in our future and he's calling us to, he, like his will, he's standing in our future. He said, the God who calls things that are not as though they are. So he's standing in our future and he's calling us to, to come there. So in every situation, there is a God's will, a God's desire. There is what's going to give him the glory. There is the answer. There is the, the thing that, you know, nothing, we're, we're in no situation that is beyond our ability to walk with God through it. It says in Corinthians, you know, um, no, no temptation is overtaking you, but it's come. And God will make a way out, right? He, he provides that way out. Well, the children of Israel were like, just... Not seeing it. But Moses, who knew the ways of God, it says, Israel saw his, it says that Israel saw, uh, the people of Israel saw the acts of God, but they, they didn't draw near when God was calling them up to the mountain. God wanted, God was calling them all up to the mountain, and, and they saw the flashes of lightning, and they, they got scared. They're, they were like, trying to save their, they thought, mm, this is beyond our understanding here. Uh, Moses, you go. <laughs> And God was like, what? I'm calling you to come to me, and you don't want to come? And that's when he was like, you know, these stiff-necked people. Now nobody's going to come up. No animal touched the mountain. Moses, you come up. So there was all this going on because they, they, they stood from a distance. They didn't want to go up to the mountain. But God is calling us up to the mountain where, yeah, we don't understand certain things, but other than God has said come. And so we go, and... You know, but like the tabernacle, it, it's like outside you have the the flesh roasting place, right? The 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 uh, first you you bring the, the the sacrifice, you burn the flesh. You got to burn the flesh before you go into the holy place, and then in the holy place you can see oh what the spirit of God is saying. He's cast thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. He prepares a table before us in where in the presence of our enemies. So everywhere, you know, even in the presence of our enemies. And he's lighting our path, and we're fellowshipping with him, the table of incense, whatever. And then we, we come boldly. 
before that throne of grace to find whatever face of God needs to be applied to the situation. <laughs> that table of faces and then the Holy of Holy, it's just His presence is there and, and then we... Uh, so the point is that sometimes we think, maybe I made a mistake or maybe I did something wrong because there's this difficulty or there's this thing, you know, that it's like a giant, it's like a, a thing. And, you know, sometimes... God will lead us into a situation. So you, you have to look at every situation. But what I'm saying is, just because there's a difficulty, and just because uh, you know God leads a path, and then all of a sudden there's just water, and, and there's this enemy army on chariots. They, they've got more firepower in the flesh. They've got more, uh, you know, more... Um, of all the flesh stuff, you know, <laughs> the spears, the chariots, the horses, and they're just, it seems like, you know, so the, so the people of Israel are like, well, two plus two equals four, we're dead. <laughs> or we're slaves, again, you know, that two plus two doesn't, so they were thinking in the flesh, but, but Moses, who knew the ways of God, he wasn't afraid to go up to the mountain and roast the flesh and say, I don't care about my flesh. You know, if I, 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 God's calling me up the mountain, let's go. You know, it's like he went. The people of Israel are like, no, 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 they're saving their bacon. And they didn't want to, <laughs> you know. So, so then uh, that was the difference. So it says Moses knew God's ways and he spoke with God as a friend. And he was like, you know. And so he, but even Moses here, uh, it says... Um, in, uh, so in chapter 14, Exodus, it says, so, so Moses was telling the people, don't be afraid, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see no more forever. It seems like one of those situations that are impossible, right? Can you think of any situations that seem impossible? <laughs> what if it's a setup? I'm not saying God like, but Romans 8.28, God can take all things and turn it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it just depends on his body, how we respond. Are we sitting at the table with him, with the light of his spirit, partaking of every word that he says, allowing that to be our paradigm and, our, and the thrust of our prayers and, and what we do? Or are we getting so caught up with the situation? So Moses had a little bit of both here. Look. It says in, in 14, it's chapter 14. So he's telling Israel, don't be afraid, stand still, the salvation of the Lord. Um, the Egyptians, you know, God's going to do something with the Egyptians here. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. In other words, you're going to shut up. <laughs> you're going to be quiet and see. Stop talking and see. So, But verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? So Moses was also feeling the pressure. Yeah. He was also the people's pressure. The people were like, why'd you bring us out here to kill us off? It's better in Egypt. And so a little bit of that got on Moses, and he was crying out to God in that way. He was saying like, okay, God, you know, he, the point is, he, he was a little bit rattled too. And so God had to tell Moses, why do you cry to me? You know, in other words, don't, don't let that pressure that now of the situation and the people, and everybody's focus is in the wrong place, don't let that get on you. Why are you crying to me? Okay, it's good. He's, he's you know, I mean, on, I mean, God bless Moses. <laughs> he was awesome. But he, he, he was, uh, on one hand, he was saying, God's going to deliver us and everything. But he was still affected by 
a bit of this uh, pressure, you know, of the situation and the people. And so God said, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And that same (coughs) staff, which, you know, God had used before that was in Moses' hand, you know, he went through and, you know, the waters parted and all of that. But, so, God did that. He engineered, in that case, he engineered the whole situation just to get glory. And so that's why Peter says, you know, uh, in every difficulty, in every trial, in every situation, consider it joy. Why? Because God wants to do the miracle. One of the faces of God, one of the attributes of his nature, our provider, our healer, our whatever, but <laughs> but there's got to be somebody there with the right perspective. You know what I'm saying? Somebody, God's look, he says, when he comes, will he find faith? on the earth? Or is everybody going to be pressed into this mold of freaking out? Of And so, so, I want to now talk about this. I want to link this together. So 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about faith. It talks about all kinds of cool stuff, you know, you can do and, and, and all these things. But the best, you know, is love, it says, right? So it says, um, first of all, fear is, uh, is uh, um, he who fears is not made perfect in love, right? The Bible tells us that, right? So what's going on there? When we fear, how is that being not perfected in love? I mean, what's the, how do you think, how do you think that works? What, wh- how, if, how is it that somebody who's fearful it means they're not perfected in love. What's going on there? You know what I'm saying? In, uh, so that's First John 4.18. It says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. There's something you're worried about that's going to come upon you and that you're going to feel the consequence and the pressure and the, and the result of, and you're fearful of that, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that. But let me, let me read something from Romans. Chapter 8, verse 14. It says, so Romans eight fourteen, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So there's a golden candlestick, right? Lighting our path, our, His Spirit and His Word. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. I'm reading from the Passion Translation here. The spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. Oh, I'm not good enough to get, you know, the promise of God that I see in Scripture. It, it's, there's always this spirit of religious duty that we're not worthy, good enough. Well, in 1 Corinthians one thirty one, it says, Jesus has become a righteousness, our sanctification, our heat. We're qualified through Christ's sacrifice, right? It says, be strong in the grace not in our own works. Okay? So, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Now, many translations will say adoption there. But what does that even mean? It's being fully accepted. It's not somebody being used for a purpose. This is family now. 
The spirit of full acceptance means there's you don't need to work to be part of God's family. You're now part of the family. There's nothing more that God could possibly do to help us realize that we're fully accepted and cared for. His many faces will provide for us his many aspects. All that he is. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's all the, you know, the seven spirits of God. The, just everything that is his we experience now because we're family. We're adopted in. We're, it's the spirit of full acceptance. So, But remember, this is in the context of you didn't receive the spirit of religious duty where it causes you to think, oh, I'll never be good enough. I'm not worthy of that. I'm not this and not that. You know, I didn't do this and I messed up the other day and I this and I that. That's not the spirit. But that's where the spirit of fear comes from because we don't understand that we're fully accepted. By the beloved. So we haven't understood the depths of the love of God in bringing us into that place where we're adopted and we're fully accepted as family. Where the joy of the Lord abounds in full acceptance. <laughs> oh, I'm free from religion. It's, I'm just in. I'm there. I'm not working to get. I'm there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, in, so you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned for he, as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. So it's the vision of what Christ did for us on our behalf. And now we're family. We're fully accepted. We've received the Holy Spirit, the spirit of full acceptance that shows we're part of his family. We're adopted. We're there. And now we don't need to fear. Because all the panein, the many faces, the, all that God is, is our daily bread. The, fa- the, table, the, 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 the table of the bread that... That's the table of the presence, the table of the faces of God. It's our, he's our food. He's, our, he's the one in whom we live, move, and have our being. So now, when we understand this spirit of full acceptance, we, we, we needn't fear because God will do what he said he will do. When we accept, when we acknowledge, as it says, it says we have to acknowledge everything God has done in us and for us. And then our faith becomes... Activated, it becomes active. It becomes visible. It becomes manifest. It becomes, you know. So this love of God, the spirit of full acceptance, and what He's done causes us to have peace, joy, and assurance in what God has said and what He's promised, and therefore we speak out those things. So now He's standing in our future. Psalm one thirty nine. It's already finished. He's. It is finished. All of the books that God wrote about. Each of our lives, and there is one, you can read it in Psalm 139. And the things that he has called us to do in every situation. He's standing there in our future already, and now we reverse engineer. 
you know, that's what they do in, uh, when you want to uh, duplicate a piece of software, <laughs> right? They reverse engineer, they pick it apart, and they work from the back, uh, they work from the, the finished product and take it all apart and go back to the, to the inner workings of it in order to figure it out, right? So that's, what, that's why God calls things as those that they are not, as though they are, because they really are, <laughs> to God, right? Christ crucified from the foundation of the world. Well, how does that work? He wasn't crucified before the world was formed. But in, in, the, in the reality, in the, in the God doesn't live constrained by time, in, that, in God's reality, that is what needed to happen. And so it's happened. God was going to do that. He did that. And so he's countered it. It's done. You know? And so God calls those things that are not as though they are. So, so, that's, so we enter into that and we reverse engineer. He says, I am your healer. You are the healed of the Lord, right? And, and Peter says, uh, you, you've, by his wounds, we have been healed. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. I haven't experienced that yet. It's okay. As far as God is concerned, you are the healed of the Lord. Now partake. Reverse engineer. He's standing there already. He's standing in our future. So we have to see. Faith sees something. Sees what God did. It's see. Faith sees. Faith is, is his in-birth persuasion that he shares with us. And that's always seeing what he did. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we see. We behold the Lamb which takes away the sins of the world, who is our healer, who is our provider, who is everything. And we see our inheritance, because God is our inheritance. And so we, we speak the, with a rudder of our mouth those things, not, not the pressures like the children of Israel, we're going to die, why do you lead us out here? What's no, that's not God's... He doesn't do that. You know, Our marching orders, our daily bread is, what is God telling me to do in this situation? <laughs> what does God want to release in this circumstance? He didn't bring us out here to die, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the will of God? We're all going to die. We're all led, the whole world's leading down this funnel to die. No, is that God's will? No. So, we need to speak God's will. We need to embody God's will with the rudder of our tongue and steer a new direction. There is that aspect of, you know, uh, where two or three agree. So there is that uh, Tower of Babel scenario where even people who are not favorable to God, you know, if they band together, nothing will be impossible for them, which is the whole reason why God split them up at the time, right? Says we've got to come down there and, you know, mess those dudes up because otherwise anything they set their mind to do, they're going to do. That's the power of unity. How much more? The children of God. So, so when God comes them, Sorry, when God what? In this Exodus, is when God told them to go down. Yeah. So this is when He led them to Red Sea. This is. Yeah. Well, to that point, it was, you know, the Red Sea is, you know, Red Sea. But it's like there's, there was, and um, I was doing a little research as far as the specific point, actually. And but even if you don't go there, but just as it describes it, what emboldened Pharaoh is because um, it says they were. Um, like hemmed in. They were in a place where there was like uh, mountains, hills, whatever, like on their sides and stuff. And it was actually going narrow and narrow and narrow. I was watching a video. And it actually looked like, oh my gosh, it's like... And then, it, you know, on the along the right by the sea, it kind of opened up, but it was still hemmed in. And so there was place for all those, I don't know, I mean, however many there were, but there was enough place for all of them, but it was like there was nowhere to go. That's what emboldened Pharaoh to 
hey, easy pickings, you know, let's go and get him back or kill him at least or something, <laughs> you know. I don't want to look stupid to everybody, but God was like, had another plan, right? So, so God egged on Pharaoh. He was like, come, come, yeah, yeah, you think this is, just go ahead, come. And so, but, you know, God had to do the miracle, you know, when Moses, you know, took that step. And, uh, and so God had to actually step in between them and, you know, to let them, give them time to go across and, 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 and all of that. So, but it's, it, it just shows how we can't, my ways are not, God's ways are not our ways. You know, we cannot see as everybody sees. We're, we're supposed to be the breath of fresh air, the heavenly air. The, that the solution that's that's the only thing God is I mean he is not the problem he never is the problem he is never the one saying we're all going to die <laughs> he's that's that's not him you know what I'm saying he always provides a way out even if we have to walk on the water even if he has to part the Red Sea even if he has to bring bread from heaven like he did with Elijah Elisha get them confused one of those dudes and you know shh Elisha? Okay, Elisha. Just say Elisha. Elisha, they don't know which one I'm saying. <laughs> Tricks of the trade. Yeah, you just Elisha and then you stop. Elisha. Elisha. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Go figure it out. Be like the vultures. Hear me properly. Let me repeat myself. <laughs> like that video. Let me say that again. Listen carefully. <laughs> Okay, so what are the Elisha? If he has to bring bread from heaven, he has to do all that stuff, he'll do it. It's part of the faces of God, his presence, our daily bread. It's like, but but how can two walk together unless they agree? That's the problem right there. And that's what the, the enemy's trying to fuel in the world right now. There was Elijah or Elijah that was the problem. Huh? Yes. So, so the, that one. So, so the world, what's the enemy doing? He's trying to divide because if the body of Christ actually unites and gets together and agrees, well, guess what? The, the fruit is going to be there to, to show that the pushback and the, you know, pulling the rug out from underneath what the enemy wants to do. So he tries to divide. He tries to say, you can't, he tries to do all these things, Right. Um, but, but we just have to get into God's presence and say, okay, what do you, what is our response? What is it? And not allow that pressure to define our paradigm, our way of thinking, but just to speak what God is speaking in this case, in this situation, and, and who we are never changed, who he is never changes. We're fully accepted to partake of what God wants to do because it's Jesus. That's the better way. You know, I first Corinthians 13, I do all this and do that, but the better way is love, because it's all included in love. It includes faith, it includes assurance, it includes hope, it includes all, love is all-encompassing, because he who fears is made perfect in love, because perfect love knows we don't need to worry, because God's got our back, and it, it, he hems us in on all sides, in fact. All right, so that's the fire Jesus came to cast on the earth. Oh, how he wishes it was kindled, and we just need to step into his fire. Our God is a consuming fire. So that's the bride he's coming for, the spotless bride. Not, not, not like uh, wandering randomly, you know, but the spotless bride, the bride who's 
follows the Lamb wherever He goes, taking our directives from Him. He defines our paradigm, and that's the spotlessness. That's the, that's the bride He's coming for, and that's what He's calling us up the mountain with Him. Toast the flesh, have a bride down below, and just go up. <laughs> go up without our preconceived ideas and our two plus two equals fours, and we just say, okay, yes, that was a good bride. Let's go. Father, show me the new way to see things, the new steps I need to take. Let me sing that new song, and the rudder of my mouth will speak new things that are just yours and your perspective. And uh, Yep. Thank you, Jesus. You said about Moses. Mm. I, I, I can't help it, but I do have sympathy with him. Mm. Yeah, of course. Also, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. You listen to all these people, yeah. and yeah. you also feel a bit... Yeah. You know, like, this is, ah, uh, we're never in that ah uh, place. We're in the secret place with God. It doesn't matter. We see it our side, our right hand, but, but it's not automatic. It's, we, we, have to, yeah, we have to run into our strong tower. The righteous, the name of the Lord is strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Huh? <laughs> so it's not automatic. That's a thing. People try to claim and they wonder why. and Because it's, it's not automatic. We, we have to be there. We're there or we're not, you know. It's like we, are we, have we, you know, actually allowed God's paradigm to be ours and his faith to be our perspective and his, you know, that's, the, the, the world's looking for that. We need that and the world's looking for it. And when those two happen, guess what? <laughs> People will come flocking in, you know. Yeah, yeah that is true. I mean that, and even the, the, the thing, uh, uh, now we're again at Elijah, or you can Elijah. 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 That's a very good trick, I'm going to remember that one. It's amazing that the faith I had. The what, sorry? You waited for him to respond. Listen to the faith I the water and just soak it more and more and more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Elijah, yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, Elijah knew. So all these physical circumstances didn't matter. Put more water, put more water. And they were freaking out because water was in short supply. Not just because it was like... You know, but it's like... It didn't stay after that, he ran away because of woman. Yeah, yeah, and God said, "What you? Why you? Why are you running away?" You know, so it just shows we got to stay in there. Elijah, one moment is, you know, killing all the prophets of Baal and fire from heaven and amazing victory, and then the next moment he's he's fearful. So it's not automatic. We got to stay in there. We've got to stay, abide. Go through this, see everything you said was on, and they don't go into the promised land. Not yeah, as easy, it's not as easy as, as as it is made out. That's why people don't teach it. Hmm. That's why you don't find it in the general church because hmm. it's not easy yeah. for leaders, pastors, whoever yeah. to teach people to hear the voice of God so they can get faith. Hmm. Because they must probably don't know themselves, I suppose. But hmm. the fact of the matter is that it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, and and when we acknowledge this, we just see our own lack, and w- because we know what's available, so we're like saying, <laughs> we still have a ways to go here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's go. No, we're not there. That's why so I'm let's go. Saying, as Paul said, I'm running this race to be first, not second. Yeah. 
Yeah. But they also, they heard God amazing. It was good to us and the Holy Spirit and so on, but yeah. yet they still tried to go into Asia a couple of times. I'm sure you told them no. Mm. <laughs> but they still went. We tried a couple of times, but we went. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe you should have asked. I don't know. Yeah. It is not the... Yeah, so the point is, it's not automatic. We can't just say the the incantation and and pray. You know, click. Here's the right words to the prayer. Yeah. So it's it's it. We have to be in there with God. We we just. It, but we're he. But we're qualified by Him. You know. But it's just we have to sit with Him. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength, so that He can change our perspective to be in alignment with just. Truth. Hi, my name is Paul Warren Gray with Life Mission. If you'd like more audio and video teachings like this one, please visit our website at www.lifemission.org.za. That's www.lifemission.org.za. And if you are in the Johannesburg area in South Africa, we hope you'll drop in so we can meet you in person. Details are on the website.